Hi everyone, I'm Kiara Zapanta, Product Marketing Specialist at Aptio, and welcome to Amplify Agile, a monthly series dedicated to discussing all things agile transformation and providing insights to help organizations adopt and scale their agile practice. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Amplify Agile. I'm Kiara Zapanta, and in today's episode, we're going to dive into the principles of lean budgeting. Joining me today is Jeff Barshaw, Director of Agile Practices at Rigo Consulting, who will be sharing his insights on what lean budgeting is, along with some tips and best practices for implementing it effectively in your organization. So Jeff, welcome back to the show. Um, for new listeners, can you please give us a quick introduction of yourself? Sure. Thanks, Kara. So um I started out as an engineer and software developer uh, for 20 years. I did that. And about 15 years ago, I heard about this thing called Agile. And I started uh, looking into it and exploring it. And I was I was really kind of hooked when I understood that because we'd been, you know, managing our software projects using um, uh, you know, the same processes you would use to build buildings and stuff with with portfolio and project management. And, and really had an epiphany. And, and I switched careers at that point and became an Agile coach. And in that, I, I started looking at the people in the process of Agile, but I also realized and found that a lot of organizations and teams, as they adopted this, they struggled with the tools they were using. And with my background, I learned the tools and I started um, being asked to be the administrator of their tools as well as their coach and was able to um, actually help them make the tools work for them instead of the other way around. And that kind of garnered my philosophy that the people in process come first and then the tools should follow that. Um, and so in the last couple of years, uh, for the last six years, I've been focused in the scaled agile framework and helping organizations from the C-level all the way down to the team level adopt agile. Awesome. Happy to have you back on the show. So diving into lean budgeting, can you share what exactly this is and how it really differs from traditional budgeting methods? Yeah, sure. What I what I want as a concept to convey is the fact that um, when we talk about lean budgeting, under the hood, what we're really doing is we're funding capacity instead of funding projects. So that's the huge shift when we go, when, when we start talking about lean budgeting. So when we fund capacity, this has some, some great advantages over funding projects. So let's talk about funding projects for a second. What you do is you have this project with the scope of work that you want to do. So you've defined what you want to do. You assign people to that project in most cases. And based on the people you assign to that project, you come up with the budget. Some companies do it the other way around. And they'll say, okay, here's our budget. How many people could we assign to it? And who do we need? Um, but common practice is to assign the people, come up with the budget. The problem with that is we don't know. Most projects take a long time to do. There'll be changes. Uh, the surprises come up. And what invariably happens is um, we're halfway through the project. We have more scope. We got to change things. We have to go back to finance because we've already locked in the budget with the scope of the project. When we fund capacity, we decouple those two things. So we're no longer funding scope, technically. We're funding people to, to work for us. And we can do that for the year, just like we do today. And then after we funded those people, teams, organizations, we bring work to the organization. So 
it's still, you know, that work then when we apply it to that organization is going to have a labor cost. So we're we're not circumventing the fact that it's going to cost us to build it. We're just flipping that iron triangle from um, PPM to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna lock in people and budget, and we're gonna we're gonna let scope be variable. So now we assign people work to these teams and organizations. Those organizations can now execute on that. Now, as things change, we don't have to go back to funding to make changes. All we have to do is reorganize or reprioritize their backlog to start working on something else. So that takes out a very big, you know, when when we do annual planning today, we have the problem of uh, we've got to figure out all the people that need to work on it. We get things like horse trading. Well, I need this person. You can have this person. All these things are very um, anti-patterns to collaboration. Um, and when we do that, we don't really understand. Um, th there's a very high overhead in doing that as well, because we're trying to think and do everything in one and plan for an entire year. Um, this also creates... Um, uh, less collaboration within the organization because people now are vying for different projects that they can work on, right? Um, and 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 the the project managers are vying for the budget and the people to get their projects done. So it makes it very um, difficult for an organization to do the right thing. Um, whereas if we fund capacity, um, that allows for much lower over overhead. It um, increases the ability to collaborate on things, and it also um, allows us to pivot throughout the year without having to create like change control boards. Um, so how that manifests itself is um, we we can see that in the fact that you'll hear this term called um, shifting from projects to products. When we manage products, we're actually funding the capacity on that project. So that's an example of that. Another example is we'll fund value streams, or if you're following SAFE, we'll fund agile release trains. So again, you're funding capacity, not scope. That's the difference. So that all ties together. If you hear, hey, we want to move from projects to products, then you're also technically shifting your budgeting um, to lean budgeting. Okay, great. So it really does allow for more flexibility should any changes be needed and really provides greater agility for an organization. Mm -hmm. um, so now what about the business challenges? You know, what are the challenges that most organizations or the industry are really struggling with um, that lean budgeting does address? Yeah, a lot of organizations are really struggling with how long it takes to do budgeting, right? It's not uncommon for me to talk to organizations and they start the next year budgeting in June and they're not done till the end of the year. Think about the amount of people working for six months to create that budget. And, and what that does is there's so much effort that goes into that budget that when changes happen, nobody wants to make changes because rightfully so everybody goes, well, we wasted all our time on that budget, right? So we have to, we have to allow for quick budgeting cycles where people don't feel they've invested a whole bunch of time into creating that budget. Um, then there's also understanding the return on investment we're getting for our work. A lot of times budgeting really focuses on the dollars and the scope, right, of the projects and stuff, but we're really not talking about what we get for that. You know, all projects probably have some sort of business case, 
but that goes by the wayside as soon as they start, start talking about funding it. And then we get into executing on it and things change. And so you get a lot of firefighting within the organization to get things done. And many organizations do works to get everything done. Nobody ever looks back on what did we get for all that work? What did those projects really deliver the investment, the growth in revenue, the growth in subscriptions that we had planned for? Because it becomes, you know, we're, we're focused on that at the beginning, but then later on, nobody ever double checks that. Got it. Yeah. I like that you mentioned the stress and the time that it takes for annual planning. And I just think that like lean budgeting really allows organizations to make real-time decisions in comparison to traditional budgeting. Um, yeah. So what about like, we know the big challenge that it solves, but what about the impact or the benefits at different levels of an organization? Um, and what would you say are the value outcomes for organizations overall? So at the different levels, you know, it, it, um, it kind of, I'd, I'd say it cascades down from there, right? So um, at the very top level, they're, they're looking at, okay, what's our overall numbers, um, but to come up with those numbers, you have in a traditional um, budgeting and annual planning cycle, you have all these project managers and middle management vying for the, the funds, right? And so it becomes a very competitive market. So within that middle layer, um, you get a lot of stress from that. And, and the, the, the executive leadership is just saying, hey, give me the numbers, please. Um, and and they're all vying for that. So the middle layer is under stress to get their projects funded, staffed, and do that. And then for the staff itself, it's it's stressful for a couple of things. Number one, they're pawns, <laughs> unfortunately, in this game, right? Um, number two, um, it takes away from um, when software development, particularly, I see it as a craft, right? There's a craftsmanship to developing software and delivering um, really cool applications that people like that takes kind of the fun out of it for them because now they're just, they're being used to, you know, which projects I'm going to work on and worse uh, uh, yet they get what we call peanut butter spread across a whole bunch of different projects, right? So they can't focus on anything to create that great experience for customers because they're being moved right and left. And, you know, they might be assigned to five projects at the beginning of the year, and then they're added three more as the year progresses. So it takes away from their um, engagement in making a, a, a great product that sells to our clients. Great value all around. So what about when teams are transitioning to lean budgeting? What are some of the common challenges or misconceptions that they, they would face? Um, one of them that I see often is um, when they transition, they tend to transition the tactical of Agile. One example I see very often is, oh, okay, so we have these things in Agile called initiatives and epics and user stories. Well, let's just say epics or projects, okay? When they do that, they're just making a taxonomy rename, right? And they're not really changing to the Agile mindset. So now they've just said, oh, well, now projects equals epics. It has the same scope and we have the same problems. When really, when, and, and that's okay. Let me say that's okay as a transitional period. You know, we've got to get from, from our current state to our future state. But if organizations don't continue down that, they just end up with waterfall as, with an agile veneer is what I call it. 
what we should be doing is looking at defining our work differently. That's the agile mindset. No longer is an initiative, for example, a scope of work. An initiative is a hypothesis to deliver value to our customers. The epics underneath those initiatives are experiments to deliver that value. They can, they can succeed or they fail. And as they work, we are finding the best experience slash solution for delivering that value. And then the features and user stories become the tactical, here's what we're gonna do to deliver that. That allows you the ability to go, okay, what we thought we could do to deliver value is not working. And, and how many folks out there have been on projects that have been going on years and years and years, they haven't delivered value and you get into what's called sunken cost. Well, we've invested 10 million in this, let's invest another million, right? To make it successful. Agile allows you these exit ramps that you could say after several epics and find that your experiments aren't delivering the value. You can now go, okay, let's pause this. Let's redirect what we need to do. In this, this area is kind of avoid, you know, the, again, these organizations will try to adjust to a hybrid or bimodal model where they're doing both um, PPM and Agile together. Again, a perfectly great transition state. Um, but bimodal models struggle in that um, you can't segregate all of Agile and all of PPM completely separate. There's always going to be interdependencies between them. Well, how do you fund those interdependencies is a huge challenge in organizations. Um, so they have to have a transition plan to a point where they're, they're eventually getting to an, staying at an all PPM portfolio with agile execution or an all agile, and this is where funding capacity comes into play. And they could have um, PPM or waterfall projects execute for that. Um, but the, uh, the business model is funding capacity or lean budgeting across the board. So that's the other pitfall for organizations is don't get trapped in a bimodal world. Perfect. Okay. So are you able to share some examples of a successful lean budgeting implementations and the impacts that they had on pro on project outcomes? Yeah. So we worked with a, a large life insurance company. Um, they were in kind of that bimodal world where, um, you know, and, and that's very common. Agile kind of starts in technology and it starts at the team level and it gains and, and it's kind of a grassroots movement. And then pretty soon those teams start doing really well and the organization says, oh, we want to do that. And it grows out of the technology area, but then it starts to push into the business like legal, HR, finance. That's the areas that, um, that do this budgeting process, right? So um, as that grows and pulls it in, you get companies like this um, insurance company that had that bimodal model and their annual planning process took them six months to do. And it was very complicated because now they had to split funds between these two modes of finance. They had to try to finance projects, finance products. It wasn't working very well. So they, they bit the bullet and decided, okay, let's land on a portfolio model that works and one portfolio model for everyone. And so they went to an agile portfolio model. So they started funding capacity in the term in, in terms of their products. And then then um, used in this particular case target process to manage that funding model. 
um, they simplified things by doing that and they they codified their budgeting process within target process. And after making this transition, um, Aptio One was also involved with that. They were able to reduce that six months down to three months of doing their annual planning. They still had a very complex system. They still had um, PPM projects and agile projects, but they were able to narrow that down and come up with a plan much quicker and in, in, in a lot less difficulty by moving to that. That's a great story. So from this implementation or any other implementation that you've done, do you have any advice or lessons learned that you can share for organizations um, that are actually looking to start implementing lean budgeting um, and any specific tips or tricks that you could share when they're just starting out? Yeah, I, I would say it's it's an investment in yourselves, number one, um, in the company. Um, don't give up. Um, it's it's not going to be easy by any means. And don't try to, to boil the ocean either. I would say what you need to do is um, work in sections of your company to make the transition. Learn from, and this is very agile mindset here, learn from that transition in a subset of the company because you're impacting their culture, the people. Um, you can learn a lot by making this transition at a subset and then move on to another subset within your company. If you try to do it across the board, you can do it, but you're gonna it's gonna take longer. Um, and you're gonna have a lot, you know, change for people is hard. So when you try to change everybody at once, it's going to be extremely hard. If you learn how changes affect people, when you do those next increments of that, it'll become easier and easier every time. Um, the other advice I have for organizations is to shy away from making this a tools evaluation. Don't try to make your decision on how you're going to do this with a tool. Like here's, here's our PPM tool. Here's our agile lifecycle management tool. Which tool works best? You get into you know, dare I say it, you get into very religious battles here, right? Because everybody thinks their tool works best of all, including me. Um, what you need to do is, is raise it above that and make process decisions. And more importantly, really decide how the business is going to run and operate um, going forward. Make those decisions. Are you going to operate the business using portfolios and projects as you've done before? perfectly fine, but that has to be an upper level business decision. Or do you want to shift towards products, funding capacity, true agile hypothesis statements, et cetera, and decide to go that route. Once you've done that, the tool decision afterwards becomes fairly straightforward and easy, but you take that, that aspect of, oh, my tool is better than your tool out of the picture when you do something like that. Excellent guidance. Okay, so you briefly touched on this previously, but where do you think a software solution or tool like Aptio Target Process can help in implementing and performing lean budgeting? So in most agile lifecycle management tools out there, um, you have to have an associated tool to do the budgeting process. So you don't get those direct tie-ins between the budget and the tool. And this is, this is why companies struggle, even in... Um, uh, tools, the PPM tools, right? They create the budget, um, but they don't tie it to the work. With target process, what we're doing is we're creating the budget by tying it to the work. 
Um, and, and that might sound like I'm saying something that I'm going against in the beginning here when we're funding capacity, but um, it's really step two in funding capacity. So you've already agreed, hey, we need this organization to work for a year. That's how much it costs us. Well, what are they going to work on for that year? Now you start tying the, the work that they um, targeted to work on by the priority of their backlog. And when you tie those two together, you're creating the budget at that point. Um, and when you do that, you get clarity on what it's going to cost, but you also get understanding. Um, again, I'll go back to that um, model of, of the product. When you use the product as an umbrella, you understand the cost for the product, but then you can easily um, weigh in the value that that product is getting from, from delivering that functionality. So you almost create a mini P&L statement within that product, right? Here's what we're spending, here's what we're getting from it, either profits or loss. So you can tie directly, causally, cause and effect, right? When we deliver this type of work, our funds go up, our, our revenue goes up, our subscriptions go up. When we do this type of work, they stay flat or they go down. So you're closing that loop, that feedback loop when you do something like that. The other advantage um, using tools like Aptio is, uh, you know, Target Process has several lean budgeting solutions that are built in that come with your subscription. Um, these solutions, the architecture in, in Target Process is great because you can install those solutions and use them out of the box. However, Every company that I come across does their financial, their budgeting just a little bit different. You know, they have different contexts, different markets. So these solutions can be configured. And if you really need customization, Target Process allows you to customize those solutions to meet your needs um, exactly. That's a great thing to have, especially when it's finance and budgeting, like I said, because all companies do that a little bit different. Perfect. Um, and that's all for today's episode of Amplify Agile. A massive thank you to you, Jeff, um, for generously sharing your insights with us. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show again, and we'd love to have you back on in the future. Um, so everyone else, if you have any questions, do feel free to drop any questions in the comment section below. Um, and please do keep an eye out for our next episode. Um, and thanks all for tuning in. Thanks for joining us today. Amplify Agile is available as a video and podcast and can be found on all podcast platforms. So feel free to subscribe and follow for updates.